Well, hello there, happy innovators. How are you all doing? I hope that you're doing well. It's been a while since I've done just, you know, a normal podcast. As I'm sure you know, um, I've been doing podcasts that were album descriptions for the PC-1 Division album, the PC-1 Wilderness album, and the Pipe Choir debut CD. And uh, because of that, you know, it's been a while since I just sat down and did a little bit of talking. So I decided today, when I woke up in the morning, that I was going to make a podcast today. Just a good old-fashioned grab-the-microphone-and-start-talking podcast. So here we are. And uh, i got a couple of things I want to talk about, I guess. Um, You know, I have been keeping myself busy making new PC3 music and... You know, I realize that it's like taking a long time for these songs to be released, but um, I, I just decided this time around, especially with the PC3 music, like um, I really kind of wanted to try a lot of different things, and uh, I've been doing that. You know, if you listen to the first two pieces of music that I released for the new PC3 album, um, you know, it's out there. It's a little weird, but I figured, you know, that uh, I've been doing things one way for a really long time, and I've established a lot of rules for myself, you know, within the parameters of PC3 music, and um, I'm kind of having a little bit of fun, you know, enjoying myself breaking some of those rules, you know. It's like the rules were made by me anyway, so... You know, it's good, I think, um, artistically and creatively to set boundaries for yourself and to have limits and parameters to follow, you know, during your creative process. But it's also good and um, natural, too, I think, to break away and break those rules and to get creative in ways that I have not been creative yet, you know. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. I guess ultimately time will tell but uh yeah that's where i'm at with that you know i've been busy with it too and i have uh, some pipe choir music too i've been working on as well and also too you know right now the time i'm making this podcast you know i'm wrapping up the summer you know we're going into fall football season is starting and you know the leaves haven't started to turn yet but the weather has and it's you know it's a really special time of the year in my opinion, like for me, you know, have a lot of stuff to do outside and to you know, take care of in the yard during the summer, you know, uh, so it's different. It's a different kind of thing and it requires a little bit more of my time and I've been enjoying it too and uh, been having a lot of stuff go on lately over this past summer, actually. Actually, the entire year of 2022 has been so far one of the most bizarre and difficult years that I've ever had, but that's not a complaint, okay? It's just an accurate observation, you know? Um, but, uh, th- but that's okay, you know? Um, the world is a weird place, and I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that, but... I can't help but notice how strange things are, you know, and uh, 
especially like on the political front. I mean, come on. It's in your face. It's all the time. It's everywhere. And, you know, everybody's talking about that kind of stuff right now because the election cycle is up and there's some elections coming up in the next month or two. So, you know, there's a whole lot of that in the air. And, you know, I find it really strange. I don't know. Maybe you'll agree with me on this. Okay. But, you know, the other night we were watching the speech from Joe Biden, you know, the president of the United States. And right after that, there was a a speech by Donald Trump, you know, at this rally that he had. And I'm watching these two men speaking, you know, and I guess, you know, it's occurred to me before, but it was really kind of hitting me at that moment where it's like, do you ever think about how much everybody is talking about Donald Trump? Have you ever thought about that? Like, isn't that weird? I mean, really think about that. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you like him or not, or if you want to vote for him or not, it doesn't matter. He gets talked about by both sides of the political aisle in America and really all over the world. Um, he gets talked about all the time. Now, now think about that, how strange that is, isn't it? Like, it could be something good. It could be something bad. But it's like, I don't know if it's like this guy is just so great for the ratings, you know, and the clicks and the likes and all that stuff that, you know, as soon as he utters a word, or as soon as he makes a move, as soon as he says something, does something, somebody says that he does something, it's like it's the news all over the place. You have the people talking for him. You have the people talking against him. And it's so odd. I mean, think about that. I'm not sure if I can remember a time in my life or a person in my life ever. Uh, and, And also, too, not anyone from world history either that I can remember um, being talked about as much as Donald Trump. Isn't that odd? I think it's like strange, you know? It's like, even though people may hate him, they find it necessary or important to talk about how much they hate him. And if people like him, they talk about how much they like him. But then there's a lot of people that I think are kind of like me, you know, that are like in the middle and not really one way or the other, you know, Um, especially on the subject of Donald Trump. Like, I don't care that much about it. And I guess, you know, I have respect because he was the president of the United States and I respect the office, you know, Uh, and I respect Joe Biden as well. You know, some of the stuff he's doing is a little weird. Some of the stuff he's doing is a little strange and I disagree with. But that would be the same thing I would say about any other president that we've had. 
You know, I never agree 100% with anybody who's ever been president in my lifetime. So, I don't know. It's not important to me to talk about whether I like him or not. It's more important to me, being in the middle, to talk about how much we talk about him and how much he dominates like conversation in America, but I would guess that it's probably not just in America. You know, it's all over the world. Isn't that strange? I mean, think about all the great people that we've known of in recent history, you know? Um, you know, famous names, famous faces, uh, rock stars, uh, politicians, actors, comedians, you know, intellectuals, famous speakers. And it's like, is there anybody else that could even compete with this guy? And like, what does that mean? Let's like really stop for a minute and think about that. Because you know I'm right, right? I mean, you know, it's like he is constantly being talked about. I mean, sometimes I get sick of like hearing about him. You know, like, please change the record like somebody. I mean, it's OK, I guess. OK, I guess it's understandable. Like, you know, he's a relevant character on the scene, on the world scene. Still, even though he's not president anymore, it's almost as if nothing ever really changed. Like from when he was president, I think they might even talk about him more now, probably because they're afraid you know, the Democrats, the left wingers are afraid that he's going to run again. And if he runs again, he might win. And they don't want that. For some reason, it's like they hate this guy with so much visceral anger that they just can't stop talking about him. And I guess the idea is to maybe discourage people from liking him or voting for him. But at the end of the day, when you really think about it, it's really kind of like everybody's still just talking about him. You know, uh, I find that really odd and really strange. It's something that I examine a lot because it doesn't really make any sense. It's like, how can a human being, one person, have that much power to be the subject of talk show hosts on both sides of the issues and to be loved and hated so much. Isn't that so strange? Think about it. Think about it. Because I do. I mean, it's so odd. I keep saying that, but it's like, because every time I think about it, I think about how strange that is. I mean, Barack Obama was, you know, president of the United States and he was pretty popular. And, you know, there were a lot of people that didn't like him. You know, there were a lot of policies and things he did that were disagreeable. And I would be the first person to say that. But he was funny. He was a great speaker and he wasn't completely 100% bad. But even with somebody like Barack Obama, we don't talk about him as much as we talk about Donald Trump. And we certainly don't talk about like 
Bill Clinton or George W. Bush or any other presidents before him as much as we talk about Donald J. Trump. You know, isn't that odd? What does it mean, folks? What does it mean? Let's really think about that. Anyway, I wonder how many of you folks had the opportunity to check out that tribute concert for Taylor Hawkins, you know, the drummer from the Foo Fighters who recently passed away about three months ago, I think, now. And, uh, you know, they had this concert for him, a benefit concert or a tribute concert for him, uh, you know, maybe to raise money for his family or something. And, um, you know, I checked it out. I did. I thought it was pretty, pretty cool to watch, you know, uh, how many people were affected and how many lives were touched by this one guy, this one person, you know, a, a drummer from a rock and roll band. Isn't that cool? I think it's actually pretty cool. And it's a testimony to Taylor Hawkins, you know, and the kind of person that he was. To have that many friends and that many people that would step up and, you know, participate in something like that on his behalf and like on the behalf of his family. And, uh, oh my gosh, did you guys see Wolfgang Van Halen playing? Oh my gosh, they did Hot for Teacher with Josh Freeze on drums. And oh my gosh, it's amazing. Amazing. That guy is like his father. (laughs) You know, he's a super talent. You know, to be able to play like he did, like he does, is really rare. I mean, it's a special, special level of talent to be like Wolfgang Van Halen. And, you know, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you think about it, really, it's like, his father was Eddie Van Halen and his uncle was Alex Van Halen. You know, it's like, what luck, you know? And of course, you know, his mother is Valerie Bertinelli as well. But uh, the point being is that like when it came to uh, you know, exposure to music and opportunity and uh, resources, you know, uh, I guess he's the product of a situation like that. You know, if you have a natural inclination to make music and be a multi-instrumentalist and, you know, you have somebody like on the level of Eddie Van Halen mentoring you and uh, nurturing you as a father, you know, there's no shortage of opportunity and, you know, exposure. And as far as I'm concerned, and I I know I've talked about this before, in podcasts, I think that it's probably the most important aspect in the life of every musician or artist. You know, it's like if you're born with the natural ability or the natural inclination towards something like music or art, or it could really be anything, and and you're given the opportunity to have resources and learn and have hands-on experience and have somebody over your shoulder kind of guiding you, uh, mentoring you. Um, It's the single most important aspect. And I can speak from experience on that because um, 
you know, I guess I, I would consider myself someone who was, you know, born with a natural inclination towards music. But, you know, a lot of the time, unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of exposure to probably a lot of the things that I needed or I would need. You know, a lot of the stuff that I eventually got or a lot of the skill or knowledge that I I eventually acquired came from like self-discovery. Like I, I had to figure it out on my own. I had to find out for myself, you know, partially because a lot of the people I think that were around me didn't really understand what exactly was going on with me. You know, they didn't know what to do with it. You know, I watched a, uh, uh, 30 for 30 once. It's a sports show where they feature an athlete and they'll talk about the story of an athlete or they'll talk about the story of a particular game or some kind of historical event that happened within the world of sports, you know? And there was this one particular 30 for 30, which was fantastic. I suggest that you watch it. It was the 30 for 30 episode where they were talking about Bo Jackson, the famous athlete from American football. And he was also a major league baseball player. And he was uh, exceptional at both sports, you know. But early in his life, you know, there was this one coach that he had. And he talks about this in this particular video where this coach didn't really know what to do with Bo Jackson. Like he had this team of young men that he was coaching and they were all like average guys, like normal athletes, you know, normal level. But Bo Jackson came into his fold and he was like kind of trying to retrofit this freak of nature athlete into this normal, you know, average you know, program, you know, to develop this athlete who was already well beyond anything that this coach was going to be teaching him and the techniques that he was using with this particular young athlete, you know, weren't effective. In fact, if anything, they might've even been harmful, you know, and, uh, it fascinates me, you know, that idea that there can be at times You know, there can be these young people, you know, they have a gift and they have a path and a direction, right? And the people around them don't understand it. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Bo Jackson's like level, okay? But there are some similarities, like even in my own life, where there were a lot of times where I probably needed a a little bit of this and not so much of that, but the people that were around me and the people that were kind of governing what came into my sphere were really kind of like not uh, informed enough or knowledgeable enough to really feed that properly. And that's okay. You know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way that my life went, you know. And fortunately for me, You know, I wanted it bad enough. I cared about it enough 
to really kind of reach out for it on my own with both hands and really try to grab it, you know? Um, and that wasn't always easy. And it's not even really anything that's particularly fantastic or special or anything. It's just really kind of like the desire to do something, you know? Like, I thank God, like, every day that even though I was young, even though, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience, I had a lot of ambition and I had a very clear path that I wanted to be on. And I was very young. Okay. And I hope as I'm saying this right now, that there might be, okay, there might be some young person listening to this right now who maybe needs those kinds of resources or maybe is in a similar situation that I was in, okay? And while I have not become a raging, you know, worldwide celebrity success, I am proof to you that if you really want something, okay, and you really reach out, with both hands and you really try to get it if you keep going and you don't give up and you keep getting better and you keep practicing and you keep learning no matter how old you get no matter what life throws at you you hold on to it with both hands hey you might be surprised you know because I'll tell you what there are sometimes When I look at the situation that I'm in, however small it may seem to everybody else, to me, I'll tell you what, it's nothing short of miraculous. I can't even believe it sometimes, the stuff that's going on in my life. I can't believe it. So don't give up hope. Don't lose faith. Reach out with both hands, you know, for whatever it is you want and grab it. And hold on to it and don't listen to anybody, you know? I guess, you know, when I talk like this on this podcast, that's really what I'm trying to say. You know, I'm really talking to that younger person who's out there and, and, you know, they want this thing that's impossible, you know? And it could be anything. Let's say you want to be a professional soccer player, you know? You want to play soccer for the rest of your life every day and you only want to just get better and progress with the knowledge and the skill that's really all you burn for it's really what you want well keep doing it don't give up you know be willing to be poor be willing to have discouragement and be willing to not have success all the time but let me tell you Brace yourself for when success does come. You know, a long time ago, I used to play drums in a band called Slow Bob. And we were a really good band. And we had uh, established a really strong foothold in the scene that we were playing in. And uh, we had a good reputation for being really solid, really tight, and really good. Okay? And we practiced all the time, all the time, three nights a week, without fail. 
and we would go through our set several times each night, you know, and it was grueling and, you know, sometimes boring and, you know, frustrating because, you know, practicing three nights a week and working a full-time job, you know, and then maybe playing shows on weekends, it doesn't leave you with much free time, okay? So my social life suffered because, you know, the band became my social life, right? But that's okay because when we played shows or when we went into the studio to record, we were like a machine, you know? We had it down. We were literally like a military operation. Everything was, you know, down pat. Everything was tight, you know? From the loading of the gear to the loading into the club to getting paid to playing the songs and finding a place to sleep for the night. We had it all down. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because when I was in that band, it was something that I remember, like whenever we had any kind of success, okay, like we would have these great moments where somebody would come through for us or... You know, we would get this great opportunity. We would always kind of be like in shock a little bit. Like, how did that happen? How could that happen? That's so strange. And now looking back on that, I laugh. And that's why I'm bringing it up because it's like, of course, things went the way they did. Because we worked hard all the time. You know, like when you work hard all the time at something, you're going to have success with it one way or another, just simply on the basis of principles. I mean, you're, you're, you're working very hard. That's what happens when you work hard. You get things, you know, and we would look at each other like we were just miffed. Like, wow, I can't believe, you know, that we just got offered that gig. I can't believe it. They're giving it to us. But it's like, of course they are. Like, we were tight, we were, you know, solid, and we had our act together. You know, that kind of thing. And that's what I'm talking about to you guys that are listening right now. Maybe you youngsters, or even if you're older. Because, you know, there's a lot of older people that are learning how to do something new. You know, it's not totally unusual for somebody over the age of 40 to take on something new and to learn something new. But the point is that if you want something bad enough, you can get it. You just have to be willing to put in the hours, you know. Um, And, you know, success doesn't have to be in terms of dollars and cents or loonies and toonies, you know. Um, Success is really kind of something that's personal, you know. Um... And I know that. I do know that from experience. I've had a lot of success. A lot of things that have surprised me. And a lot of things that shocked me. And a lot of things that I never imagined would have happened. But they did. You know? So like I said to you, remember, when you want something bad enough, grab it with both hands and hold on to it. Don't let go. And don't stop. Whatever you do, don't stop. Do you understand what I'm saying? And can you do that? Are you capable of doing that? I hope so. I hope so. Because the key to happiness, as far as I'm concerned, 
is to find the one thing that you love to do. Okay? Something that you would do for free. You love it so much. And do it all the time, regardless of whether money comes or goes. That is the key to a happy life and a happy career, as far as I'm concerned. You may disagree, and that's okay. But I'll tell you what, I am speaking from experience. And the life of a musician is a happy life. If you're willing to wait for money to come, eventually, you'll have the happiest life of all the people you know. It's great. The experiences and the people you meet and yeah, there's some bad and there's some good. You know, you get a mixed bag of things, but in the end, you know, looking back on all of it, man, it's been awesome. It's awesome. And, you know, when I left Cleveland and I stopped drumming live back in like the year 2000, roughly around that time, you know, I really thought that my life, my career was ending. You know, I was worried that it was ending and it grieved me and it made me sad. But the irony was looking back on it now is, you know, my career as a musician didn't start until I left Ohio, until I left the people that I came up with as a younger guy. Like as soon as I separated myself from (laughs) my career as a live drummer in Cleveland, as soon as I stepped away, that's when everything began for me. That's the honest to God truth. You know, how strange, isn't it? But wow, I'm glad it worked out that way because there was no certainty. And if you go back and you listen to those album descriptions that I just released, the past three Singularity podcasts, you can hear me talking about it, you know, and it's not a bullshit story. I mean, it's true, you know, it's it, it sucked, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty and things like that but ultimately looking back on all of it now with the benefit of hindsight you know oh man I wouldn't have changed a thing I wouldn't have anyway let's see what else do I want to talk about today oh yeah 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 yeah. I remember now I was talking about that uh, Taylor Hawkins tribute concert right and uh I wanted to just say, for the record, okay, on the record now, it took me like 30 minutes to get to this, okay, but the the point is this, okay, Uh, they had a a lineup of drummers, you know, come through and play with the Foo Fighters, you know, and I kind of got the impression, and I, I could be wrong, because I don't know any of those guys, you know, they're a world away from me, but... I kind of got the impression that they were kind of like trying people out, you know, not just whether they could play the songs or not, but the audience response, you know, and I got to say, if I have to put in my vote, okay, or uh, if I were to bet on one of the drummers being the permanent drummer for Foo Fighters, like the permanent replacement, man, the obvious choice, okay is Rufus Taylor 
the drummer from that band, The Darkness, and he's also the son of the drummer from Queen, Roger Taylor. It's his son, uh, Rufus Tiger Taylor. And uh, he looks like Taylor Hawkins. He admired Taylor Hawkins. They were friends. Uh, He's a much younger guy. Okay, so physically, you know, he's up for the challenge of playing those songs night after night. He can do it without having any real, as far as I can tell, any real you know, danger with his health or issues with his health. So nobody asked me, okay? But if I were to place my bet or throw in a vote on who the new drummer for the Foo Fighters will be or should be, my money is on Rufus Taylor. I think he's going to be the guy. And I'll be really, really surprised if I'm wrong. But, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. The guy is a great drummer. Um, He's rock and roll royalty. Uh, He's used to playing big stages and, uh, you know, having the commitment of a tour, a world tour, you know, that kind of thing. And the energy that that takes and the physical energy that takes. And uh, he's got swing. He's got natural feel and ability. And... uh, There you go. Just for the record, I wanted to say that today. Uh, I predict that Rufus Taylor will be the permanent replacement for Taylor Hawkins in the Foo Fighters. So we'll see if time proves me right or if time proves me wrong. Anyway, you know, I did want to talk today, too, a little bit about uh, the whole uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, I know it's been, you know, a few months since I've done just a standard podcast, so I didn't really have the opportunity to really talk about that. But, you know, it came and went and it happened. And, uh, you know, I have talked about the issue of abortion before in my podcast, you know, and I got a lot of reaction from people about that. And a lot of it wasn't negative, you know, it was positive, you know. Um, I don't remember the name of the podcast exactly that I talked about it in because it was so long ago. But what I wanted to say about the issue of Roe versus Wade, and it's not like whether I'm for or against it, because that doesn't matter. Like what I think, you know, doesn't matter. But um, I do find it absolutely stunning Okay, that's the word I would use. I'm stunned and amazed that something like that could happen in my lifetime and that something like that actually has happened. Um, And that's really kind of all I want to say about it. It's like I never imagined a time in my lifetime. I thought maybe eventually that situation would be changed. I did think that. That it could be in the future, you know, but, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I am in shock that Roe versus Wade was overturned. I I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, maybe you feel the same way. I bet if you're my age, like if you're older and you're listening to this podcast, let's say you're like 
over the age of 40, you're probably as shocked as I am, you know? It makes me kind of wonder a little bit, too. Like, you know, having something that major uh, change so quickly, um, like, what other changes are coming, you know? Like, what does the future hold for all of us, you know? Um, if something like that can change, something like that can actually happen in reality. Like, that happened. Um Wow, what is the future going to be like? What does it mean that that kind of possibility, you know, um, it shocks me, you know, it shocks me. I know a lot of people listening to this may be disappointed, you know, and a lot of people that are listening to this might be jumping for joy, you know. Um, I'm just kind of sitting here stunned, you know, that's my, my position, um, I guess there's been a few things like that, you know, in the past couple of years that have been really shocking, but not quite on that level, man. You know, I remember when I lived in Washington, D.C., I lived there for a year just to do it, you know, just to live near the uh, the mall, you know, and all the buildings, you know, the patriotic buildings of Washington, D.C., and be able to walk around and see everything and take in that environment for a year. It was fantastic. But during that year, I went to the pro-life march on the mall. I wanted to go. You know, I had seen it on TV. I had heard about it and it was a big deal. And actually, in retrospect, when I look back on that year, both my wife and myself uh you know, spent a lot of time going to a lot of different protests, like on the mall, just to experience them and to see them, you know, not to participate really, but just to kind of walk around and observe, you know, it was fascinating. And, uh, you know, I went to the pro-life march on the mall and it was just, well, you know, honestly, when I think about it, it was like no other experience that I've ever had, you know, um, why you ask? Well, I would say this because, okay, there were so many people there. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was beyond the size of any parade or, you know, social function or sporting event that you can imagine. Okay. I mean, just the number, the sheer numbers of people from all over the country that descended on that small little area for a day. And there I was actually by myself because my wife decided she didn't want to go. Uh, so I went by myself. And to this day, she regrets that. She wishes she would have went with me. But folks, I'll tell you, it was fascinating. And uh, the debate and the protest and everything. It was like, well, you know, it was actually kind of refreshing to see, you know, the, these people that had such strong disagreement and hearing their argument and then the great like dissent from that argument and 
oh, it just was fascinating. And the posters and the flyers and the T-shirts and the people. And then going to the steps, you know, marching all the way up to the steps of the uh, Supreme Court building, you know, in Washington, D.C. It was like they had like the policemen in riot gear, like protecting the building. And just uh, I took a lot of pictures and I listened to a lot of people and I talked to a lot of people and I saw a lot of things and it was just absolutely amazing like um, everything that I had imagined like for our democratic republic like to be you know and it was beautiful like uh, people from both sides of the issue you know going toe to toe and and not being violent and just disagreeing that's all you know no violence or anything um, very peaceful, you know, and oh, just the numbers of people. I remember it as clear as day sitting here right now talking to you about it and the smells and the sounds and the volume of the crowd and just all the stuff going on at once, you know, it was kind of like being in a concert, but there was no music. It was just about being at the concert you know like when you go to a rock concert there's a certain amount of excitement and the crowd is like churning and you're waiting for the show to start you know and then the show starts and it becomes a different thing well with this event the march for life on the national mall uh oh my gosh it was like hmm, unbelievable Unbelievable! It's hard for me to believe, like talking about it now, that America was ever that way, you know, that there was this time and even as extreme as that was and intense as that was, there was this time when it was much more innocent and people were much more forgiving and understanding of each other. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't Shangri-La. You know, it wasn't like a utopia, you know, it was, it was, you know, chaotic and a lot of yelling and a lot of shouting, you know, a lot of bullhorns and people yelling things at each other, you know, but it wasn't anything like it is today, you know, and uh, there's a couple of things I've been noticing lately that are starting to worry me a little bit, you know, and, uh, I I don't know. I don't know. We have an election coming up and people get weird around elections. They always have, you know, it's, uh, it's the time for, you know, political extremism and stuff. That's what happens, you know, but, I fear sometimes for the future. You know, I don't know what to expect nowadays. You know, I saw there was this video of these Amish people getting in trouble for, you know, selling, you know, butchered cows to people like locally in their community, you know? And I thought to myself, you know, watching that, like, how odd 
is that? Like, isn't that strange? Why would they go after these people that are selling healthy, you know, natural, you know, meat to people? You know, it's not GMO meat or it's not Franken food. You know, it's just normal meats, cows, you know, like they used to do back in the day, you know, when we didn't have grocery stores. You know, you went to Joe's farm and you bought half a cow and that's what you did, you know, or uh, you went to the butcher, you know, and they had steaks and stuff, or roasts, and chickens and all that, you know. Why would those people be getting in trouble for that? That doesn't make any sense to me. But it is, in a lot of ways, an indicator to me of just how much things have changed or, 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 okay, are changing right now on the landscape, the political landscape of America. Um, and I would imagine that within the next couple months, you know, we're going to see a lot of crazy stuff going on around this election. But no matter how crazy it gets, I'll tell you this much, it probably won't be anything compared to the 2024 elections. I mean, you know, (laughs) last time back in 2020, when we had the election, I was saying, you go back and listen to my podcasts. I was saying, you know, it's going to be a crazy time. I said, there's going to be a problem with, you know, counting the votes and verifying votes. I mean, I knew it. I knew it. You know, it was so obvious that something like was going to happen. You know, it wasn't going to be a normal election cycle. And oh my gosh, did I not expect for it to go the way that it did and as weird as it did, you know. But I'll tell you something, folks. Dollars to donuts. (laughs) We ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get crazy in 2024, you know. So (laughs) I don't know. You know, now's the time, I guess, to start thinking about it and preparing because it's going to get weird. You know, I don't know what that means. I don't know how to define that kind of weird, especially this far out. But I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you know, ah, yeah. I wanted to mention this to you guys. I, (laughs) by mere happenstance, I happened to watch this thing where they had the astronaut Buzz Aldrin you know, the famous astronaut who, you know, went to the moon, you know, they had this interview with him and this little girl. And I guess maybe this interview was older, but, and I had never seen it, you know? So, you know, I don't care. It's like, I just, I found out about it, you know, a couple weeks ago, but everybody else probably knew about it for years, but I had never heard of it. Anyway, in this interview with Buzz Aldrin, he does, you know, kind of like, admit in this interview that we never went to the moon and I don't know I mean I thought that was kind of weird like he actually said it you know and there's all these people that are you know talking heads you know that are posting 
responses to this, like, oh, see, he admitted we never went to the moon. And then you have the other side going, that is not what he said. What he said was, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I don't know, dude, I just watched it and he just admitted that we never went to the moon. I don't know. You could try to parse it and like, you know, try lawyer speak, you know, define the word is, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It sounded to me like he just flat out admitted it, you know, and I'll share a link to that video down in the description for this podcast so you can check it out for yourself and you can let me know what you think. But uh, I just thought that was so strange. Like that was a pretty (laughs) significant thing that he said, you know, if he really said it, you know, um, you know, if it wasn't like a computer generated Buzz Aldrin and somebody putting words in his mouth, you know, like I've talked about in the past, um, you know, if it wasn't that, if it was something he actually said, I don't know, folks. <laughs> we live. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, I find myself saying this all the time. We live in the weirdest time ever that I can remember in my life. And I can remember a lot, you know, but oh my gosh, we live in an unprecedented, weird time. And I know, I know that you don't need me to tell you that, but I'll tell you anyway. Why? Because I feel like it. And you're my happy innovators. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You know, I can name a few of you by name. You know, Tony, thank you. Gail, thank you. Barbara, thank you. Stu, of course, thank you for the years of loyal support. And, uh, Stay tuned, I guess, you know, for more Singularity Podcast. I do have three more album descriptions that I'm working on. Um, And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the past three and you'll enjoy the ones in the future. And I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, too. You know, I'll try to do a couple more of these. I think I can manage that for you. Um, Sometimes it's hard to find time. And uh, that's usually my excuse, but, you know. Today was the day. Anyway, so with that, my happy innovators, peace, love, and Melba toast. I hope that you guys all have a great week, great weekend, and uh, stay out of trouble. Don't work too hard. And man, try to have some fun in your life. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, everybody.
Well, hey there, happy innovators. The ones who were kind enough and generous enough with their time to stay past the podcast. I have a song to share with you today. Nothing really special today, but um, I've got this cover version of a song called Solitude by Black Sabbath um, that I released. And you may or may not have heard that before, but what I have for you today is uh, an alternate version of it, uh, a different mix of it that I did uh, that I recently found, you know, by accident. And I don't remember doing it, but apparently I did. So I'm going to leave that here for you at the end of this podcast to check out because, you know, at the end of the day, this whole thing, this podcast and all this stuff I do, it's really all about the music, you know? So, without further ado, here we go. The Pipe Choir second version of the song Solitude, a cover song from a band called Black Sabbath, a song that I covered as like a tribute to my older brother Steve. So here we go, folks. Enjoy. Stay safe, have fun, be good. (laughs) 